Welcome to the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We're your host today, TJ Inzak. Hey, hey, hey. Today we got your week preview. We have a semi-ultimate trade review episode is going on as well. The deadline is tomorrow. We're recording on a Sunday night. So we're going to have more trades hopefully tomorrow. She went down today. Some big trades. So we're going to review those trades. We're going to hopefully there's going to be more trades for us to talk about on Tuesday. So let's get right into it. If you guys want to find us, we're on Twitter at FHF Hockey. We're in the Fantasy Hockey Discord. Let's talk some trades. The latest one was Mark Giordano. They had to wait till 5 p.m. to get this one because the cap like resets every day at 5 p.m. So Toronto wound up acquiring Mark Giordano and Colin Blackwell. Gave up two seconds and a third. What is the fantasy fallout here? Because not only is Toronto getting uh, Mark Giordano, Seattle's losing it. So there's going to be a little bit of fallout in Seattle, too. I think Vince Dunn's been running power play one for a minute or two now. But what do you think actually happens here? I, I figure it's going to be like a yin and yang. Whatever Toronto gains, Seattle loses. Like defensive presence, obviously. Like their question mark goalie situation in Toronto. I think it gets a little easier because Giordano is a pretty good defensive guy. But like what's what's the full scope of this trade? If you kind of wanted to see it from the eyes of the Kraken... Giordano has sat out the last, what, two or three games, something like that. So really kind of their lineup with their lineup without him is kind of how you have to think it's going to look. And I mean, Vince Dunn would be taking over that PP1. There are, you know, obviously our, our regular guys that we like from there. And I don't think that, you know, really too much fantasy wise is going to change except for that one bump right there. You know, I still think that, you know, Jared McCann and Yanni Gord are still going to keep on doing what they're doing. What Mark Giordano does really doesn't have that much effect on them. While he can score points, he's not out there specifically for that. He's there for that backstop, and that's why Toronto went out and got him, because they, they needed it. Well, I'm looking I'm looking at the lines right now. It's not even Vince Dunn, so I was mistaken there. It's Carson Soucy running that top power play, so... And I like Carson Soucy, but that doesn't seem like something that would would stick long term. I mean, Vince Dunn is definitely the better option for that. What I find interesting is what Toronto had to do to make room for Giordano and Blackwell. And that was wave Peter Morazic. So as far as Seattle, like it's a perfect week to watch for that because they only have two games. So it's not exactly like they're, you know, super enticing this week for fantasy or anything like that. But Going back to Toronto, like you're saying, they they had to wave Mrazek. Now they're rocking Shalgren and man, I couldn't even tell like Wool. Who who's the who's the backup goalie there right now? Like if it's not Mrazek, if and then it trickles down even further because now you got Mrazek on waivers. Any team tomorrow, the trade deadline, you know, you might be hearing this after the 3 p.m. actual deadline, but any team that's shopping for a goalie has one for free on the waiver wire right now. And any team that's trying to sell now has to compete with a 100% free Peter Morazic. Obviously, you got to pay the guy. 
you got to fit them in under your cap and all that stuff. But I know James Reimer is is rumored to be on the move. Possibly Martin Jones is getting looked at. So Philly, San Jose now has to compete with a 100% free Peter Morazic on the waiver wire. Toronto, man, like what is the question mark in net there? Shalgren's looked good in the in the few games that he's played. He has looked good. But also Jack Campbell. And that's what happens in Toronto. Like I know I got Toronto fans right now rolling their eyes at me, but like, man, the kids played three, four games. He's looked good through three. So they've they've already canonized the kid. Jokingly, we're talking about Vezinas in the in the Discord and stuff like that. But you know, if if Shalgren does continue this run rest of the way and Campbell comes back and comes close to what he had put up just close to what he had put up in the first half of the season I think Toronto's a really really good team and has a chance of of actually making an impact this year which is intense if if Jack Campbell doesn't work out and Shawgreen kind of turns into a pumpkin which is also very possible uh then you're leaning on Peter Mrazek like say it's not just possible it's probable it's probably oh man i'm so nervous but like adding defense is such a good option at this point too and like such sturdy defense like mark giordano it's good for all the goalies the rising tide floats all boats in net here adding giordano fantasy wise is there anything there in toronto with mark giordano oh i would definitely be interested in a mark giordano in toronto i'm more interested in a mark giordano in toronto than i am a mark giordano in seattle Power play time. What do we think there? You would have to think power play two. Yeah, I mean, you got Sandine right there, and he's not been so bad. You know, maybe they double up. I don't know who they're bumping off that one, but I do think it's decidedly, he is decidedly behind Morgan Riley. There's no if ands, or buts about this, so. Well, especially because Morgan Riley, he's been doing it. You know what I mean? It's not like they're both new. Morgan Riley knows the system doesn't have to learn anymore Giordano at least has to come in and figure out what's going on you know um I would have to think that Blackwell's gonna you know be a, a bottom sixer there's no way he gets a piece of that top six so I think that Colin Blackwell is kind of a not somebody I'm too interested in but with the whole Peter Morassic thing you have to be you have to believe that you know Kyle Dubas had had to have tried to have shopped him around you know what I mean? I suppose. At least in the short time that they figured out, you know, knew what was going on, you had to at least try to shop him around. And then if that doesn't work, you know, we'll have to waive him. And that seems to be the way it went. That's the way it went. And I think he is like he's playing with fire here, but he's got huge balls because I do think that, you know, you're you're playing Russian roulette with only one chamber not loaded because teams are going to teams are going to pick this guy up. I think. I mean, you know, it's it's a established NHL goalie. You know, any team would be happy to have him as their 3G. You know, maybe Toronto's not so happy at having him as their 2G, but and they they needed the money obviously, so they're going to figure something out there, maybe bury him in the AHL. I don't know what the fuck they're going to do beyond this just playing with the cap here. It's interesting to say the least. Like who picks him up? I don't think Edmonton has much cap room at this point i know um you know possibly the washington was looking at getting a third goalie here so i mean it's something to watch here it is definitely something to watch i think we're both on the same page like you know in a shallow league maybe giordano is not um super attractive here in fantasy unless something amazing happens where he takes over power play one or something terrible happens to morgan riley knock on wood here but 
yeah, I think this is this is just a pure hockey move. And and Colin Blackwell, good penalty killer too. So this is it was a really good hockey trade just to have him as a throw in. There's not going to be much talk about him because he isn't the you know the marquee name or anything. But I think that was a that was a smart pickup too. What is the next trade we want to talk about? Brandon Hagel. Yeah, I got Brandon Hagel up next. Brandon Hagel got a better return than Jack Eichel. You know that? Brandon Brandon Hagel also got a better return than than Claude Giroux. Brandon Hagel got one of the biggest returns in general. So it was Brandon Hagel, a 2022 fourth round, and a 2024 fourth round that went to the Lightning for Boris Kachuk, Taylor Radish, who I do like Taylor Radish a lot. I do like Taylor Radish. And yeah, he's got two points tonight. He had a goal tonight and an assist. Yeah, I think him going to Chicago could mean really good things for him because, you know, in Tampa, the road to the top is hard to get to. Mm-hmm. As for Chicago, not so much. So Taylor Radish is going to get bumped up. He's going to get more chances. And then on top of that, Chicago also got two conditional first rounders. Uh, Radish was playing in the top six with uh, Taz and Kublik today. I like it. And yeah, he got he got those two points. And he had four shots on goal with 15-30, time on ice. Really, really good stat line in his first game in Chicago. Two hits on there. Uh, one of his points was on the power play. So, you know, that is gonna, that's going to turn some heads. But I think, you know, going back to Brandon Hagel, commenting on what you said about Giroux, you know, you're going to get 20 games from Giroux. Brandon Hagel is cost-controlled. He's $1.5 million for this year and next year, which is huge for Tampa. And I do think Tampa was kind of playing... A little bit of mental chess here, maybe setting the setting the market really, really high, so it'd be hard for any other team to to make these kind of moves. But we did see that trickle into, you know, I think Giroux. The return there was okay, as Charlie O'Connor put it in his article today. You know, breaking that one down, it was kind of like two moves into one. Uh, German Rubsoff didn't fit into our plans. Connor Bonneman didn't fit into our plans, and they paid to get rid of those guys. Man, but I like German Rubsoff. Yeah, yeah, he was good. Um, you know, he had one really good year in the AHL, and then just phew, he fucking bottomed out, man. I don't know what the hell happened there. So, you know, if he works out for Florida, that's huge. That would make their their trade look a little bit better. Florida didn't have that first rounder like we were talking about, so we wound up getting a 2024 first round draft pick, which is like that's like fucking seven years out from making an impact. If you know if it works out, and that's top ten protected, and it might roll over into. 2025, which is ridiculous. I I don't know. You hate to see Drew go. I have mixed emotions, but we're we're not there yet. We're we're still talking about Hagel here, but I do have mixed emotions about the G thing. One more thing. Can you imagine Florida wins the cup? Drew picks it up over his head, hands it to Robert Haig, who got traded to Florida today. Robert Haig then hands it to Radko Gudis, and then Radko Gudis hands it to Sergei Bobrovsky. Four former Flyers get to touch the cup. Am I supposed to feel some sort of vindication over this? I don't know. It's just, it's what happens to former Flyers. You get a cup? Mark Strait, Kimo in. Yeah, I mean. Kimo got a couple. He got a couple. Anyway, Brandon Hagel. Um, we took a poll on Twitter, and I think it actually, it wound up that way. Is He was a third liner. You know, there were there were some people like, oh, he's, you know, 100% going to kick Andre Plot out of there. He's 100% going to kick. Why? Uh, Alex Killorn. It's just so much fun to think about any trade that happens to a big team that you are just automatically putting them in the biggest, best deployment just so that they're fun and exciting to talk about. 
man, I'm happy that some lines actually shook talked out. about this specific thing before. A lot of times when these teams that, okay, number one, if you are a championship caliber team, likely your top six is already championship caliber. Yeah. Okay. So it is no surprise that a move like this was made to bot to like, you know, bolster your third line, not only your third line, but also your fourth line. So you get, you know, you get some, some checking and, and a Brandon Hagel who can score on the third line. It's not like, you know, Matthew Joseph and Ross Colton are really tearing it up down there. So Brandon Hagel is going to be some auxiliary scoring from your bottom six or your middle six, as you would see it. Matthew Joseph got traded. Matthew Joseph got traded today, too, for Nick Paul. Oh, shit. I missed that one. I missed that one. Yeah, it was like a minor one. It happened in the last couple hours here. But I don't know. I, I think there could be certain games where they try him out in the top six. But I think that's not that's something we're not looking at till next year. Or I do think he could go like full Verhage or full Jonathan Marches. So like he just explodes next to, you know, one of Braden Point or Steven Stamkos, something like that. But, you know, I, I think it's a good move long term. Going to be something to watch. But, you know, Palat has a cold streak. Kalorn has a cold streak. Eagles the first one up. It's going to be a day-by-day kind of stream. And all I was getting at before is a lot of these pickups, very few of them are going to get put right onto the top line. Like, it's just not how it works. Let's talk about the one where that does make sense. The one trade that happened this weekend where it's probably a good thing for their fantasy value. Claude Giroux, moving to Florida probably stepping in inside the top six which is mm-hmm. honestly is not a bad thing no matter where you line up the one that makes sense is maxima man or mamin or whatever bumped out of the lineup see you later carter verhage moves over to the right wing claude Giroux stays on the left wing he's great in the face-off circle barkov's pretty good himself but now you have two fucking solid options up there claude Giroux, fantastic playmaker barkov verhage decent finishers uberdo you know you already have your second line chemistry already there this is a really really good looking team man Giroux probably power play one too it is I just wish they were stronger down the I mean middle. you got Thornton that you could move over there that's the thing is like look at all four of their lines Giroux and Barkov you have two centers on that line Sam Bennett you know riding solo he's the only center on that line mm-hmm. your third line Lois Thorainen and Sam Reinhardt you have two centers there fourth line Joe Thornton Nola Shari two centers on that line. So like maybe on the surface, you have Barkov and Bennett as you're one and two C, but really you have backup situations on each line for the most part, like Sam Bennett, maybe not, but this is a really, really good team. Really good. Another thing I like about this is honestly, I think this, you know, kind of helps everybody's deployment. This kind of helps a little bit everywhere. Fantasy wise, you know what I mean? It certainly doesn't hurt anybody on that top line. Claude Giroux obviously gets a big bump playing with somebody like Alexander Barkov, nor does he have to be the guy anymore. You know what I mean? He can just come in and be a role player and a fantastic one at that. Um, If they want to, they could always move him down to the second line and bring Huberdu back up. If anything, you know, maybe it hurts Marchment a little bit. And, you know, Mason Marchment has had, you know, a fantastic last couple of weeks, say six to eight weeks here, where he has been fan freaking tastic. He gets bumped down to the to the third line, 
But at the same time, you know, Anton Lundell is going to come back. Like they they have yep. such good depth as far as forwards go. And it's not even just Lundell that's, you know, going to be coming back. They still have Patrick Hornquist, who's who's day-to-day, who's out of the lineup right now. When he comes back, I mean, where are you going to put him? Is he going to be, you know, on the fourth line? If he's on the fourth line with Anola Shari, that's one of the best fourth lines in freaking hockey. That's right, yeah. I think the only loser as a result of Giroux coming in is uh, Anthony Duclair who is more than likely going to lose his power play one deployment at this rate. Um, but yeah, man, like this is uh this is a great move for fantasy. If you're holding Giroux, this is a, this is an upgrade. I really think this is an upgrade top line, you know, potentially top power play. Like I'm putting my money on it. We haven't seen a game yet, but I think it just makes sense for Giroux to be up there. Um, and declare moves down now sticking with the Panthers. Let's, Sprinkle a little injury news in here now that uh, Aaron Eckblad has been announced. He hasn't been moved to LTIR, but that's the the word around the water cooler right now is that he's gonna he's done for the season. He's done for the regular season. He'll be back for like you know playoff pools and things like that. Mackenzie Weger took over that top power play unit in game, and I think it remains that way. You know, Sherratt's still kind of working his uh, I think his visa stuff. I don't know if he's if he's down in Florida yet or what have you, but. Uh, Man, I I like this for Forsling too, because the way Daily Faceoff has it right now, they got Sherrod on the top pairing, but Forsling and Weger played so well together last year that I I think that's got to be what they go with. It really does. But that Sherrod Gudis pairing is going to be a liability. So who knows what they do there? And I think that Weger um, stays on that top power play unit too. So do I. So do I. Yeah, and I think number two is still going to be Brandon Montour. I don't see Sherrod stepping in here. Uh, but it does move him up the pecking order at even strength. But I, I really want you guys to to keep an eye on Gustav Forsling. Just see what happens there because I do believe that he's a better fit to be paired with Mackenzie Weger. They made magic together. He was kind of this real deep league magician. So if, you, if you're in a deep league, put Gustav Forsling on your watch list as a result of this Ekblad injury. That's my, uh, that's my take there. But we, I mean... Raj and I went over replacements in the last episode, and we did that the episode before too with Shabbat going down. So there's plenty out there on the waiver wire. You just got to be quick because a lot of people are feeling this pain. All right, uh, keeping with the trades here, man. Hampus Lindholm to Boston. What's your take here? And then they immediately signed him to an eight-year deal. Yeah, I, I think that Boston made a good move for the sole fact of they knew what they needed, and they went out and got it. Uh, Hampus Limholm is a proven commodity. They did have to ship out both John Moore and Uro Vekaninen, who I actually am personally really high on. I, I believe you like him, too. And they already— Yeah, he's had flashes, for yeah, sure. And they also shipped out three conditional picks that are yet to be named, as far as I know. But they did have to give up, you know, a, a decent amount here. It's not like they gave up any first-rounders, as far as I know, as of yet, uh, depending on the conditionality. But, I mean, Vekaninen was a first-rounder when they picked him. I like the haul that the Ducks got. And really, at the end of the day, I kind of like the Ducks' end of this trade. Because I like the I like what they're moving towards. All right? They're getting, they're getting really young. They obviously have some uh, veteran talent. But I like the move just because they're getting these young players and they're really stashing them. I don't know. I was a little more skeptical. Like, it never hurts to add good defense, but I, I just don't know if Hampus Lindholm is that guy. 
especially not till 2030, which is how long he signed until. I was really confused by it. Obviously, they needed to compete with the rest of the Atlantic that's making all these big moves. Skeptical. I don't think there's anything here for fantasy. I do think he's going to get paired with um, with McAvoy, mm-hmm. which will be good for even strength. So again, if you're in a really deep league, you're going to be good on that front. Matt Grizzlick is going to move down at even strength, which is good for the Bruins. It's bad for fantasy if you're a Grizzlick owner. So you're obviously losing all that exposure to the big names, but now they have two pairs of defensemen that can move the puck so it's you know it's just it makes sense for them uh are there any other trades that we're missing like you know some of the bigger ones as far as bigger trades i i think that about does it i mean there was definitely there was definitely some smaller trades and stuff like that but nothing too crazy so how about uh i mean i know vetrano scored tonight I, we didn't get your take on any of the trades that already happened yarn croak saw some top six time, like obviously they've been juggling those lines a little bit more in Calgary, but there was a game, I forget exactly what it was, but it was um it was Coleman, Yarncroke, and Manjipani, I think, as line two, and then line one was Goudreau, Lindholm, and Toffoli, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, moving Kachuk down with Backland and Dubé, you know, they technically were the second line as far as like time on ice goes and everything. But man, like spreading the wealth a little bit to fully get in that top line look. That was fun. That's actually out of everything you said there. That's what interests me the most, actually, is the Toffoli on the right wing for Lindholm and Goudreau, mm-hmm. because that gives you that gives you that tough presence. All right. Because Johnny, Johnny Goudreau, that ain't his game. Nor is it Elias Lindholm's. Uh, I mean, he can get in the mix with things if he needs to. I've seen him do it. But that's Tyler Toffoli's M.O. So, I mean, having him out there, I I like it. I don't know if I like Toffoli as a tough presence when Kachuk is the guy that moved down. Like, Kachuk just seems so much more. He's a hitter, hitter, though. I do like that. I don't know. It's, It's really kind of spreading the wealth. I like the spreading the wealth because now they have a top nine. Yeah, it shows the amount of flexibility that this team has just to be able to do something like that. And, you know, and then, I mean, to put a bow on it, you have Sean Monahan as your fourth line center at this point. So that's really good center depth all up and down. Yarn Croak, really underrated move here. Uh, Vedrano in the top six. What's your read on that one? Scored a goal tonight. Um, he's not doing too bad Love in the Rangers it. uniform. Love it. I think it's a fantastic move. It's a smart hockey move. And I I like Frank Vetrano. It's Frank Vetrano time of year. This is Frank Vetrano's time of year. This always happens this time of year, and he starts to turn <laughs> yeah. it on. So, and I mean, where else are you going to put him? Who else are you going to put in that top six? Right. Yeah. It's a perfect spot for him. And if he's going to be playing with Panarin and Strom, man, don't mind it at all. Man, I am in on some Vetrano right now. Man, I am in on that. He will get his. I like that. So his first game as a Ranger, he had five shots and uh, and one hit. Today he had two hits, two blocks, one shot, and a goal. So, I mean, he's doing stuff. Again, I like him a little bit more in deeper leagues or for a short t- short-term stream, something like that, if you're looking at uh, the Rangers as a particularly good day. But I'm, I'm a big fan of that trade too. So I don't know. I think the, the Giroux trade interests me the most. Obviously, he's not as available. But uh, I think it's I think it's interesting. Before we move on, there's one thing I want to bring up, and that's Owen Tippett. Mm, yeah, I guess we did I forget like about the that. The Owen yeah. Tippett side of this trade as well. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I 
you know, in the long run, I would have rather had had Giroux, but it was time to move on, and I get that. But Owen Tippett is only 2% owned. He had seven shots, you know, shots that he attempted today. Two were on net, but one rang off, one rang off the pipe that was almost a goal. That doesn't count as a shot on goal, but he did beat the goalie. It just happened to ring off the pipe and go out. But man, Joel Faraby and Owen Tippett looked really good together today. Like they were playing well together. Owen Tippett made some very good passes out into the slot. You know, I understand that they didn't amount to a goal today. You look at, you know, what he did today, and it doesn't really look like he did much. But if you watched the game, you would have seen that he was all over the place and he was making moves. He was, uh, you know, doing the correct thing that you want to see a guy that has never played with your team before out there doing, making good passes, and they will beget points. So as much as I hate to yeah. see Giroux go, good debut. Um, it looks like Owen Tippett, if they keep him with Joel Farabee, who I think is going to be a fucking star next year, watch out for Joel freaking Farabee, like for sure. I like Owen Tippett moving forward. Well, they were on different lines tonight, so they, you know, it must have been during a change. But if you if you see that chemistry just like that, they were playing on the ice a bunch today together. Hopefully that you know that chemistry continues and Tippett does as well as he did today. But that's been his mo is like he he's got the shots, he's got somewhat of the vision. Like you know, there's some knocks on his IQ, hockey IQ, but um, he just hasn't had that finishing ability. So I don't know. I want to see. I want to see some shooting percentage break his way. All right, man, take us into the injuries here because there's uh, there's quite a few before we get rolling on the week preview. Okay, I'll I'll try to go quick through them, but we do have some you know decent size injuries here. Um, Elvis Merzlikens, he came back from an injury. Uh, he actually came back from a back injury. Um, now he did see a start yesterday. Um, he posted a nine oh five against the Blues and got a win. Um, so good for you, Elvis Merzlikens, and you actually got above a 900. That's great. That's great for you. I'm still glad I dropped you, but that's great for you. Andres Kasha, speaking of Toronto, you know what I mean? We were talking about Toronto earlier. He took an elbow from Matt Duchesne while you know going in on a dumped puck that resulted in Kasha leaving the game when Matt Duchesne elbowed him in the head. He got a concussion, and it turned out he got a concussion. And what sucks is... We had kind of talked about earlier, you know, a couple weeks back, how Kasha was back in that bottom six, and it was going to be hard for him to get back up there. He got promoted to the second line again, and he was playing really well. He had a three-game goal streak going on in his previous three before getting knocked out. But now, you know, he's going to be same thing that happened before. He's going to get back in that bottom six, and for a little bit, he's going to not be viable. Vladimir Tarasenko is out with non-COVID illness. Um, he missed Saturday's game. As we've gone over before, he's been in and out of the lineup this year. But he has, he has played well when he was actually on the ice. And I think it's kind of because he hasn't had to have taken such a large role this year. It hasn't been, you know, as much on his shoulders as far as the scoring load goes with as deep as they are. I think it's been kind of good for him that he could have taken, you know, a step back a little bit. We have Nino Niederreiter. He was suspended for um, the Canes game against the Rangers today, but he will be back on Tuesday versus the Lightning. He had swung on Axel Janssen-Falby 
while he was on the bench. The way I see it is Fulby just, he's not worth your time. Nino, like you were playing so well, don't worry about that kind of shit. Um, Seth Jarvis took uh, took his spot today. And actually, you know, Seth Jarvis hasn't been playing too bad either. He had two goals in his last game, so I, I can imagine maybe that's why they brought him up to that first line, just see how he would do. Uh, Brennan Gallagher, uh, he did not play yesterday due to a lower body injury, but from everything I can read, it looks like it isn't very serious, so he may be back for Monday's game, so we're supposed to be getting an update tomorrow morning. We'll see how all that goes. Uh, one that we did talk about a little bit so far was Aaron Ekblad. Luckily... It looks like he's going to be okay. Now, he did sustain an injury against the Ducks in what kind of looked like a little bit of deja vu from last year. He got his left ankle tore up last year. This time, it was his right ankle. He was, you know, tied up with Cam Fowler along the boards, and Sasha Barkov coming into the play, lost an edge, went crashing into both players, but it was Aaron Ekblad's right ankle this time that really saw the brunt of it. And it looked so kind of, you know, the same as it did last year where he was literally crawling on crawling on the ice. And I, along with a ton of other people, I'm sure, were incredibly worried that the same thing was going to happen to Ekblad. Now, they did, like you said, everything I see says that he's going to get moved to long-term IR and he is going to be out for the rest of the regular season. So unfortunately for fantasy... He's going to be out. You know, That's you can go ahead and feel free to drop him because I doubt he's a keeper. If he is a keeper in your league, then you must have a lot of keepers. Not that Aaron Eckblad is bad or anything like that, but he's just not keeper status as far as I'm concerned. So he would be a drop right now. He's going to be out for the rest of the regular season, but he is supposed to be back for the Stanley Cup playoffs, which obviously they're going to make it to. So there's no reason not to just stash him until then. Let him let him recover. Let him get healthy. And then once the, you know, the playoff run starts to to come up, then they can bring him back. Sticking with Florida, Sergei Bobrovsky, um, he's been dealing with a, uh, a bit of the flu. He's been sick lately. And Spencer Knight has uh, has been up playing with the team. And you guys know how much I love Spencer Knight. Man, I like mm. him. I he's like good. him. He is so good. He got a shutout on 17 shots against Anaheim last night. He's just been playing incredibly well. Um, he is a fantastic backup, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that he's he's with that team. They're good. I'm looking at Knight pretty closely here. He's got a three one and one over the last five games. He played all four of these games on the road trip. While Bobrovsky set out, like they have they have five days off, so maybe they're just resting the guy, jam packing all that rest into a little bit here. But 9:37, the teams weren't hot. Buffalo, Los Angeles, San Jose, Vegas, Anaheim. You know, pretty smooth sailing for for Spencer Knight, but he put up really good numbers. Keep an eye on Florida. Like, this is something I've been talking about these last few episodes is Florida's schedule the rest of the way is a cakewalk as far as I'm concerned. Like, they they see Montreal twice, Buffalo twice, New Jersey, Ottawa, Chicago the rest of the way, just over their next 10 games. That's that's what they're, they look like. They, they have three back-to-backs over the next 10 games. I think they have nine to close out the rest of the season. So I'll have to double check that because it seems a little high. Fucking stacks on stacks on stacks. I like Spencer Knight for the rest of the season. Like, you know, they only have 25 games or so left, but with that amount of back-to-backs, 
and th- those types of easy games, and they're they're showing a little bit of a proclivity to to rest Sergey Bobrovsky here. I think Spencer Knight is somebody that you should look at through the Isn't stretch. Isn't that a good idea, though? Like, we've seen Sergei Bobrovsky break down a little bit, just as a lot of these, you know, workhorse goalies do. Yeah. He's broken down towards the end of the year. And one thing that I actually like about what they did with Spencer Knight is I know part of it, a big part of it, had to do with, you know, money and keeping under the cap. So they they moved him to the AHL. But at the same time, he hasn't just been sitting on the bench. He hasn't been just sitting on the bench and then, hey, you know, once every two weeks, you get a start and you're expected to win. You know what I mean? No, he's been playing in the NHL, AHL. Sorry. He's been playing in the AHL. He's been getting starts. He's been getting pucks fired at him. And he's been playing well there. Every time that he's came back up, he's played well. He is one of those goalies that seems to do better with the more pucks that are fired. You know what I mean? With the with the more time on ice that he's getting, mm. with the more games that he's getting. I don't think any goalie would prefer to play once every two to three weeks. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, closing us out is Jack Eichel and Drew Doughty. I thought Jack Eichel would actually be an injury. Like we were taking bets over under bets on how many bones he broke in his hand. But, you know, he came right back, was right in for the next game. But Drew Doughty, on the other hand, the injury is looking a little more significant than we originally thought. Uh, L.A. picked up Troy Stetcher just to finish out the year. So, like, maybe that's a little foreshadowing. Maybe Drew Doughty's out the rest of the way. It's tough, man. He's been so steady, like, over the last few years. And he's, I feel like he's just been beat up here. We have been through this a couple times this year. Guys like Sean Dursey, um, maybe Jordan Spence are going to get power play looks. But, you know, Dursey got the call last game. Spence took power play, too. Those are the guys we want to look at in L.A. right now. All right, man. Week preview. Let's talk which teams have good, bad, etc. Uh, so the week breakdown, you're looking at a pretty normal week. Monday's got four games. Tuesday, 11. Wednesday, 4. Thursday, 10. Friday, 5. Saturday, 12. Sunday, 8. So 8 right on that uh, right on that cusp of like, is it an off night, isn't it? I think I think we can make it work. If you're If you're not worried about, you know, sitting people. It's an off night. So we got Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. The best schedule overall. I think uh, we can pretty much. It's an, it's an easy I, one. I think everybody, no matter what podcast, article, whatever you're listening to, they're going to tell you Colorado. Four games, all off nights. That's who you should be looking at. Perfect schedule. Worst schedule is Seattle. So, you know, keep an eye on who's running the power play if you want to. Uh, you could probably drop anybody there. You know, you can add them back if they have a good schedule going forward. But right now, they only have two games. So if you're in your playoffs, Seattle, see ya. Jared McCann, see ya. Bye-bye. Gene Schwartz, see ya. Like, bye-bye. 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 I want to see motion, movement, bye-bye. Okay? Bye-bye. And yeah, all of them. See ya. Teams worth talking about. So Colorado, four games, all off nights. They got Edmonton, Vancouver, Philly. All three of those games are at home. And then a very, like, this game is always entertaining. Colorado, Minnesota. They have this weird rivalry. Um, and that's in Minnesota to finish out the week. Minnesota kind of up and down right now. We don't really know what's going to go Even on Even though there. Minnesota They're, does uh, always play really eight. well against Colorado. They they get up for Colorado. It, you know what? A Minnesota could be a dark horse for Mrazic. Is like they've been exploring Mark Andre Fleury, so you know it, it, yeah, if they can't make that work, they might as well get Mrazic. So heads up, maybe that happens. Good looking three G there. Valerie Nishushkin is the answer. Okay, 
He's the answer. He's line one, power play one right now in Colorado, 27% rostered as of this recording. I don't expect that number to be the same in the morning, so don't call me a liar. Just call me early. This is the this is the answer. Hi, I mean, early. honestly, we could just end the podcast right now. He's up to 29. So I wrote this like two hours ago. He's up to 29%. Go get him while you can. Colorado's got a, the prettiest of schedules, the perfect schedule this week. If he's not available, who else are you looking at here? Uh, he's obviously my one, uh, my my number one pickup here uh, with that top line uh, deployment, along with the fact that he's been playing really well and his, you know, it's the, you know, I love time on ice. He's gone up over 20 minutes time on ice since moving to the top line. Other than that, I mean, I might be looking for some perifs here. I like Josh Manson at 11%. And, you know, this dude is a hit machine. He had 10 hits in his first game, in his first game as an avalanche. Now, when it comes to hits specifically, he is elite. And, you know, that's going to be his job moving forward. Now, he could very feasibly stumble into some points, but that's not really what I'm picking him up for. I'm picking him up for the hits, which you know he is going to get you. Yeah, I like Eric Johnson for the same reasons. He's doing a little bit of shooting, too, and definitely blocking. So he's just steady. You won't get points. You won't get points. But if you need to fill those et cetera columns, that's where Eric Johnson comes in. He's also getting a little bit of power play two time at the moment. So play with that. I like Eric Johnson just as like a curbside pickup a little bit go check on andre burakowski as well he's 62 percent owned right now so just go check because you should although i'm not feeling the logan o'connor on on in the top six i'm not gonna lie I don't know. i'm just not feeling logo logan o'connor he's he's done it before i mean alex newhook is up there and worth a mention as well like shooting right around two times a game he's inside the top six he's got line two right now but i i think i i rank these ads nishushkin first and foremost i think burakoski would be second any of those bang daddy d men go for them but i think that kind of rounds it out like logan o'connor is where we start to be reaching i think there's better options on teams that have you know not as good a schedule don't focus too hard on schedule unless nishushkin's out there then you want to you want to get him who else do you like what other teams i think uh for me pittsburgh's next but if you want to you want to pivot a little bit? Let me know. You want to talk about Pittsburgh? Let's do it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, kind of. As soon as we start talking about the players, then it's it's not so good. So they they have four games, two off nights. So we're talking week-long holds here. Um, they got Columbus and Buffalo back-to-back. And they got the New York Rangers and Detroit. I'm going to say Danton Heinen just because he's in the top six. Um, he's 2% rostered. So that's my PSA. Don't like the guy, so I'm not going to really try and sell him on you, but that's just the PSA. At that rate, you'd have to think that the name is Evan Rodriguez. Evan Rodriguez, he's shooting a bunch. Okay, so Scott Wedgwood just got traded to the Stars. Oh, well, that's that. Anyway, it just happened. So Erod's shooting. He's only behind Malkin over the last five games. Over three shots a game, real good. I'm still looking at Jeff Carter, man. Putting up like really respectable streamer-level stats here. Four points in his last five, 10 shots, three hits, three blocks from the third line. He's on the second power play. He's like 30% rostered. Center right wing, Jeff Carter, I think. But I, I'm also keeping an eye on Pittsburgh because apparently like they're looking at Connor Garland. You don't know. It's just something to... Uh, and Raj would be upset. They're trying to see where they are, I guess. 
Vancouver? Like, are they fighting for it? Are they neck and neck with Vegas? Who knows? But uh, yeah. All right. I see you got the uh, the Anaheim Ducks here. Do you want to mix in like week long with your early week? Because I do like Anaheim for the early week, and I, I I've added a couple guys for week long ads here. Well, and everybody knows how I roll. I I roll I roll with early week and. I always split my weeks up, and a lot of people probably know that by now. And sometimes that's hard to do because, you know, you might want to pick up a guy for a week-long ad, and it looks good in the beginning of the week, but then you start losing. It can happen. You get, you know, 20, 30 points down, and all of a sudden, I need to maximize these pickups, and I can't wait for, you know, this guy to really pan out on Friday and Sunday. By that time... The week may be lost, and it really doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, the guy you're looking at on Monday as a week-long hold by Wednesday is like the guy you're dropping to save your week. So Exactly. That's what I'm trying to get at. So I like to you know, split them up. And I'm looking at Anaheim because they, they have those two off nights. They're playing Monday against Nashville at home and then Wednesday against Chicago at home. I like those off nights. Obviously, I'm not worried about trying to fill my roster on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So for those, I'm looking at number one, Cam Fowler at 38% owned, and number two, Adam Henrique at 13% owned. Cam Fowler for a defenseman is shooting like a motherfucker. He shoots just under three shots on goal per game. Um, That's in his last five. Um, the only thing is, right now, he can't do it all himself. Yeah. He needs some help from the actual offense. He needs, you know, your Trevor Zegras's and your Sonny Milano's of the world to come out and actually do something. You know what I mean? I'm also looking at Adam Henrique for that. He is out there for offense. He is on a run. He is. And he's also playing very well. Um, he has two goals and two assists in his last five. Um, now he doesn't do much for help or much help for hits, but he will do some blocks for you at around two per game. Sure. Um, I just think that he has you know great time on ice, and he is a very cheap option at only thirteen percent owned. You know, for two off nights just to start out the week. So really, I like Adam Henrique a lot here to get some offense going, and not only you know thirteen percent owned, you can't go wrong. Zegris, man, he is down to forty nine percent rostered right now. So I, I think he's worth checking in on line one, power play one. He's only got two points, but there's not a lot happening from that top power play right now. You look at all the guys on power play two, Henrique, Fowler, Comtois, Troy Terry, and Kevin Shattenkirk. I mean, with the exception of, of Kevin Shattenkirk, all those other guys have at least four points in their last seven games. Terry, four points, 20 hits. Uh, he's 70% rostered. Comtois, 4% rostered. Four points, 12 shots, 23 hits in his last seven. Henrique, seven points in his last seven, shooting pretty well. Fowler, four points. Like, there's options, bud. And, like, it's it's really intriguing. And I like what you're saying for the beginning of the week. But uh, don't mind it for the whole week. I, I'm going to check on Zegras. Well, for the whole week, it gets a little dicey because then they have Thursday and Friday off. They don't play again until at San Jose on Saturday. And that's the heaviest day of the week. So really, if you're picking up, you know, uh, you know, an Adam Henrique or a Cam Fowler, I'm fine with dropping them once those Wednesday games start. Yeah. And I, I mean, with Fowler, with all these D injuries, he's he's an option. Like if you are somebody that lost Ekblad, if you're somebody that lost Shabbat, I think Fowler, just to stream that in, if you want to play like pseudo zero D, 
kind of style where you're just streaming defensemen now that you lost Shabbat or Ekblad, whatever. Fowler is a good place to start till Wednesday. So looking uh, week long here, I don't mind Buffalo. They only have three games, but two of them are off nights. They have a slow beginning of the week, nothing on Monday or Tuesday, but then they see Pittsburgh, Washington, New York to close it out. And if you count Sunday as an off night, technically they have three. So I don't mind Buffalo looking at Tage Thompson again, 52% roster, try eligible. He's doing a lot right now, a lot. I think there's, there's a shit ton of ties over the last like two weeks, but I think he's like 10th shots but that's because like 14 people have to like the same amount of shots uh, and take a look at this guy Matias Samuelson he is banging and now the Hague is out of the picture I think the bangs are going to need to be picked up by somebody could be this guy Matias real deep league cut for bangs he's zero percent why isn't Alex Tuck doing anything you know come on Alex Tuck I like you. I don't know he's shooting a lot he's shooting a lot he's just he's not connecting I think he when I looked, he had the same amount of shots as uh, Tage Thompson, but he's shooting almost four times a game. He only had one goal in the last couple of weeks, so you know he's trying. Not for lack of trying at all. Uh, looks like you like the Oilers here for the Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Yeah, they play three games in four days. I like that. Both them and the Nashville Predators, and actually the Vegas Golden Knights, who I also like. I like all three of those teams. All have back to backs on Monday and Tuesday and then play another game on Thursday. Now, I understand that, you know, you're getting two heavy nights there, but still three games in four days is never a bad thing as long as you're maximizing those pickups. Um, For the Oilers, it's all about offense here for me, and that is Jesse Pugliarvi at 28% owned and Kyler Yamamoto at 11% owned. Both of them in there, both of them are in the top six, and both of them are playing very well right now. Since Puyarvi has been back in the lineup for the last two games, he has two assists, along with five shots on goal and three hits. That's pretty solid for being out for four weeks. So I like Jesse Puyarvi here, and I think he kind of came back with uh, you know, not too much fanfare. You know what I mean? After a four-week absence, he kind of just meandered his way back into his regular spot. And kind of picked up where he left off. He was playing really well before he got hurt. And I think he is going to continue to play very well. As their offense is kind of getting back under them. You know that top six is really starting to click now. Evander Kane is looking fantastic in that top six. So anybody that's playing with them is going to do well. Kyle Yamamoto also, like I said, only 11% owned. Um, He's also been on a little bit of a heater. Um, which, you know, in my opinion is very well received considering the first half, the first half of his season was underwhelming to say the least, even though, you know, that deployment was always there. It's not that it wasn't, he, he was always getting the good deployment, you know, some of the best players in the entire world, but wasn't really having anything to show for it. Now we did have his point streak broken in his last game, but before that, He had four games in a row that he had a goal, and three of those games were multi-point games where he also added an assist. So if that's the kind of thing that we can somewhat come to expect for an 11% add, I'm in on a Kyle Yamamoto and a Yessi Pugliarvi. This season has been so up and down for Tyson Berry, but we have to give it up for him. He's been playing well recently. Since returning from injury, he's got seven points in four games, just, just nonstop, so... 20% 20% available. Just give it up for him. Go check and see if he's uh 
if he's out there for you. I want to get in on some Minnesota. So they got four games, one off night, and that's on Monday. Then they have a good weekend schedule uh, with three games in four days. So, you know, somebody that I think we'll talk about for the weekend preview, somebody that, that you'll probably get into a little bit. Technically two off nights if you count Sunday. So, you know, whatever. But I think this is somebody we'll talk about in the weekend preview. Just want to shout out Matt Boldy at 27%. He's got four points in his last seven with 17 shots. Jared Spurgeon as a just go check, especially if you're lacking on defense right now. Uh, 58% rostered. Felino still doing the thing. Delorier is another trade that we didn't talk about, but he's moving to Minnesota. Big banger. Uh, banger. Oh, he bangs. So, Dude. Yeah. yeah. So that's where he's playing now. Um, cool. And uh, go get it. That's all I got. We'll revisit Minnesota when we get to the weekend preview. I think uh, both of us like Winnipeg, or is that just me? I think that's just you. Yeah, yeah, because they have that sweet weekend schedule, too. So That's the thing. They play their three games in four days. It just happens. On the back half, yeah. Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. I'm yep. all about talking about them coming into the weekend preview. It's it's not only the fact that they have those two off nights at the end of the week. It's just who they're playing against, like Vegas to start and Ottawa, Columbus, and Arizona. Like I really like that for Winnipeg right now. And Andrew Kopp just coming back. Obviously, things might change with him being on the trade block. So this could all be for naught at this point. But I love Andrew Kopp. He's back from injury. He is um, available. So it's just somebody I wanted to to bring up real quick. Keep an eye on because when he does play and he's playing his way, uh, he's getting over 20 minutes. He's he's doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So I, I like watching Andrew Kopp. He's try eligible. He's 32% rostered right now. Shoots a bunch. Hasn't been too much for the extracurriculars over the last couple of weeks. But I'm keeping an eye because I, I love playing around with Andrew Kopp. Vegas Golden Knights, I see you got them up here. What's up? Oh, and the Predators, yeah. Yeah, but uh, we can talk about the Knights first. And first, this this one isn't even like, hey, I'm suggesting you go pick him up. It's a, you know, I'm disappointed. Lauren Poissois, man, 13% owned, and I might be officially off the Brassois train. He's scheduled. Now, he they have a back-to-back. Like I said, he is looking to get in an early week ad, but... Is he going to win? The thing is, he's let up four goals against in three of his last four outings, and that's not something that's going to win you games. I don't know if you feel like this is the game that he is going to be, you know, he's going to break out of it, but I don't know that I do. I think that Minnesota has some good offensive talent. Um, They've showed that they have real problems keeping the puck out of the net, and a lot of it is because... From what I see, it seems like Vegas, their defensemen, are pinching too hard on the offensive zone, and they're not leaving enough, you know, to back check when rushes happen. And that seems to be... Well, their de- their defense hasn't been good since they got in the league, really. Like, they, they've not been good. They've, they've been able to mask it because of Fleury and now because of, uh, because of uh, Leonard, but, man, yeah, it's really starting to show with Brassois. Like I said, four goals against is going to lose you a lot of games in the NHL. So for that reason, I, I am personally out on Laurent Passois. He is not the zero G that I'm looking to add for, you know, those first two, that those back-to-backs. And now we will get to one because we got one more team to talk about, but it's not Laurent Passois. I do like Nicholas Waugh at only 5% owned, and he is also on a little bit of a heat check. He's seen a four-game point streak continuing. 
from that second line that he shares with Will Carrier and five-hole favorite Chenandler Bong Stevenson. This isn't a player that is number one on my list by any means for the early week pickup. I, I don't think if if we didn't talk about him, you know, it wouldn't really do any justice to him because he is playing very well. And I don't hate that second line either. It's not certainly not the best second line in the league. Four-game point streak. Yeah, man. Sign it up. Yeah, man. I dig it. I dig it. So Nicholas Waugh is my guy here from the Golden Knights. Now, that, that, was a, that was a quick one there. I also like the Nashville Predators. Now, you're not going to hear me say that too freaking often, but I just did. I like their schedule. Like I said, they have that back-to-back to start out Monday, Tuesday, um, to which they're seen at Anaheim, at Los Angeles, and then they're playing Vegas on Thursday, all away games, but those aren't the hardest games in the world either. You know, they're three winnable games, the way that each team is playing right now. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. First off, I love Chandler, Tanner Janot right now. He's 50% owned, and he fucking does it all. He does fucks. it all, and he does it all from the third line. He has yeah. a three-game goal streak right now with decent shots and Dan and, and just fantastic peripherals. Over three hits per game on the season, not just lately, not just in its last five or his last ten, three hits per game on the season. Um, and he's also blocking around two, uh, two per game recently. He needs to get moved into that second line spot. Uh, Luke Coonan, you got to fucking go, bro. You got to go. Uh, Tanner Janot needs to be playing on that second line because if he's doing all this on the third line, then that tells me that he needs to move up, play with Healy Tolvanen and Michael Granlin. Um, not that, you know, Colton Sissons is bad or anything like that. Colton Sissons, is, he's fucking right now, too. He's got six points in his last seven. Yeah, he's doing pretty good right now, too. But I guarantee, you know, I think Tanner Janot is a big part of that. Sure. I mean, a lot of these guys are on... Roman Yossi is like three three-point games in a row. So stick stick taps to him and Forsberg. Yeah. Tons of assists. Just assist, assist, assist. I'm loving it as a Roman Yossi owner. Actually, I'm coming to, I'm coming to the thought of who do I actually keep as my defensive keeper because I've decided that I'm going to keep a defenseman, TJ, and I don't know if I want to keep Victor Hedman or Roman Yossi. Oh, it's close. It's close. It's real fucking close. It's, it's close real close point. because... If you would have asked me six months ago, it just the answer would have been Victor Hedman. Easy. And I mean, stick taps to Forsberg at this point, too. He's got six goals in his last seven games and a bunch of hits. So Forsberg's fucking right now, too. Don't mind any of these guys. They are scoring a lot. Duchesne's got fucking 13 points in his last seven. Forsberg's got 12. Roman Yossi's got 15. Nashville's insane right now. So let's let's get a little bit of that going. Which is all the more reason for my zero G pickup. My zero G pickup is David Riddick. Yeah, love that Monday Tuesday. One percent owned, and he is going to be playing now. The bad thing is, which game is he going to get? My guess is, I think he's going to get the L.A. Kings. Yeah, it doesn't um, matter. That's what he's that's what he's scheduled to get, but. He's posted a 920, uh, 9.23 between his last two starts, and those were against really good teams. Those were against Minnesota and Florida, where he gave up a total of three goals in those two games. This is a prime early week zero-G ad. Fact, just flat out. 
he is a guy that I am personally looking to add because if I can get some zero G points straight off the fucking bat, boom, they're playing fantastic. The teams that they're playing are not playing very well right now. And David Riddick is playing good just by himself. Okay. If he can put up or if he can let in only three goals against Minnesota and Florida, I expect him to win against the Kings in a big way. Man, Kevin Weeks is something else. He's uh you wouldn't you wouldn't know because the the lack of Twitter, but Kevin Weeks is like he's an insider. But every time he breaks something, he has to he's taking this video of himself every single time. And like, you know, if he's driving, he pulls over to the side of the road to break news and like he puts a tweet out with a video of of him saying it. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's giving me like real Frankie McDonald vibes. And, you know, if you don't know him, look him up. This is, uh, he's fun, but he's broken a couple. I mean, Nashville just acquired uh, Jeremy Lozon from the Kraken. So, so trades are still happening. Tomorrow's going to be, I mean, there's not much left. I think we might see one surprise. Maybe it's like Connor Garland. Hopefully wake. Hopefully we wake up to fun, some fun stuff. Really, I want to know what's going to happen with all the fucking goalies. Like, why have there not been goalie trades? There are so many goalies that are worth, you know, moving and getting for teams for these playoff teams that obviously need some goalie help you don't see goalies they they don't go to a new system this late in the season and make an impact so it's, it's just not a good investment at this point flurry can sure maybe you know it's just it's going to be expensive the market just got rolling for goalies with scott wedgwood so maybe maybe things pick up you got Mrazek sitting on waivers. I think a couple of teams are going to have him in there, just you know, beefing up for the for the playoffs at this point. So keep an eye. So that's it for the week preview. At this point, we're going to be back this Tuesday, where we're going to be talking probably just trades and fallout and maybe. But we are thinking about trends. So if you guys want to hop in the Discord, chirp us on Twitter, whatever you want about unsustainable players, whether you think they're unsustainably hot, unsustainably cold, hit us up. We'll do some digging and we'll. Uh, We'll get to the bottom of it. So until next time, guys, we love you. Love you.